The only station in Sacramento giving you local sports coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Sacktown Sports. What a day to be a Kings fan. We are basking in the afterglow of the Kings season opening domination of the Jazz. We're doing that with your help all day long today, and we're doing it with the guy. Yeah. Oh, the Kings win last night for us on NBC Sports California. Kyle Draper. Kyle, what a way to start the season. Unbelievable, right? I'm going to be honest, fans out there, listeners. I was worried about this Sacramento Kings team going into game one. I was worried. Oh, that's my computer. That's I was all right. like, I was like, Jay Johnson, is that you back there? I had some things. I was like, we got amateur hour over here, Jay. You're a veteran, bro. That's my bad. That we was my computer. Last night. No worries. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little uh, tired, uh, sleep deprived, but no, I was worried. You know, I didn't like the preseason, obviously, some of the body language, and but they brought it last night. And I tell you what, right from the opening tip, they went up seven zero on the Jazz. The crowd was never a factor. And I don't know if you could have had a better start for the Kings to what we saw last night. What you just spoke of, I noticed that too. We were talking about it yesterday, and it was great to see the intensity from the Kings from the start of the game. And I don't just mean defensive intensity or the physicality. There was a focus there that had been lacking for a lot of the preseason, and it was just... Uh, it was reassuring to see, okay, this is the Kings team that we saw last season. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know we're still a young team, uh, a number of young guys, guys that haven't had a whole lot of postseason success. And so, you know, what we saw last night was a team that said, all right, the lights are on, it's showtime, and they came and they flipped the switch. And so I was I was encouraged to see that, and not just the starters. I thought the bench played uh, great. We'll yeah. talk about that coming up next in Drapes Takes. But overall, Mike Brown had to be happy with what he saw. Obviously, he didn't talk about basketball afterwards uh, because of everything going on in Maine because I did want to ask him uh, about some of the defensive lapses. And so from a coach's standpoint, I felt like yesterday was perfect because as great as you were offensively, there were still some things that he could point out defensively and get on his team about today Mm -hmm. at practice. Uh, Dwayne Baker on the chat points out that the Kings didn't want to start this season the way they did Last season, they certainly certainly played that way. Um, it was just great to see the Kings get off to such a such a great start. And I, I mentioned on Twitter today, Kyle, that if if the Kings had brought in Pascal Siakam or Kyle Kuzma or Jeremy Grant or, or a, a bigger name forward this offseason, and that player had had the night last night on opening mm-hmm. night that Harrison Barnes had, Kings fans would be ready <laughs> right to commission a statue of that player because he was incredible last night. A hundred percent, Whitey. And here's the thing about Harrison Barnes. When he hit his first uh, 10 shots, he was 10 of 11 at one point, 27 points in the first half. And the first was, half. Like a, was like a three-footer. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, the miss was, yeah. was a three-footer right near the rim. And so, to me, when I see 33 points from Harrison Barnes last night, all those haters out there, all those people that say, oh, why'd they bring him back? Three years, 54 million. We should have went and got Siakam. We should have went and got OG or so. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Harrison Barnes set the tone last night for the Sacramento Kings squad. He brought it, and that's what a veteran does. HB was the player of the game. He got the defensive player of the game yeah. chain as well. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just an offensive uh, explosion for him. He did it on both ends of the court. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, interesting to see what uh, the newcomers 
uh, brought to the party last night. I mean, JaVale McGee is bringing back the Skyhawk. <laughs> he looked like I Kareem love. out there, yes. right? He re- honestly did. He he really did, and and he was tremendous, and, and I thought the entire bench was great. But JaVale McGee, uh, just his compete level, you know, trying to block shots. He got called for goaltending one time. I thought that was kind of a questionable call. But that running Skyhook that he did, mm-hmm. man, that's, you know, that's something we haven't had. I'm talking about a big outside of Sabonis who could do something like that. We have added elements on this team. And JaVale McGee, he's going to be in the rotation. He's going to be a guy. And I think, you know what, he's perfect for this team. Defensively, obviously, shot clock winding down. He didn't, uh, you know, look like a chicken with his head cut off or anything. He calmly sank that running jump hook. It was awesome. That was really nice to see because two years ago, he had a great year for the Suns. Last year, the Mavs bring him in and they didn't play him. And, you know, you couldn't help but wonder on some level, what happened? Did he just fall off the table? Is he old now? What are the Kings getting here? But last night, that was closer to the guy that we saw a couple years ago in Phoenix. And that player can definitely help you. Yeah, and and here's the thing. I don't know what happened in Dallas, but clearly Jason Kidd didn't, uh, you know, see a spot for JaVale McGee. JaVale and Mike Brown's relationship, don't understate that. You know, those two are close. They understand each other. JaVale, everything I've seen, too, is he's a professional. He comes in. He works. He's not, not a malcontent. And he can help a ball club. And I'm glad they went out and signed him. Remember, he was a late signing. Very you know, late. He, he was very late. We thought it would be Nerlens Noel or somebody like that. But JaVale McGee, man, he looks good in the Kings uniform. And I think, you know, I always say, you know, when you look at a team, like, for instance, last night was the Harrison Barnes game. It'll be a JaVale McGee game, too, where he gets 10 points, 10 rebounds, and three or four blocks. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy is great. And so I, I think, you know, when you look at this King, uh, Kings team, their depth is much better this year than it was a season ago. I thought it was very curious that Utah played as much zone as they oh did. My and gosh. I know they do that, but yeah. when something's not working, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to play zone again. That's almost like they weren't trying. Yeah, that was uh, probably the biggest, like, head-scratcher of the night. You know, after the game, I'm down in the tunnel talking to a few people from the Kings staff, and the first thing we said was, why the heck they stick with that zone so much? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Kings were picking it apart. I mean, Sacramento hit, what, 19 threes, shot 37%, and it wasn't just the threes. In the second half, the Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis high-low game was yeah. working as well. They Multiple. were ready for their They totally were ready for, for it. it and they were executing. Right, exactly. And to me, I, I'm a believer that if you go zone, that must mean you can't guard man-to-man, right? Right, right. But they couldn't do either yesterday. Like, the Kings picked them apart right from the opening tip. Yeah, you might. they should have switched up because what they were doing wasn't working. To me, you play a lot of zone in the NBA sometimes. It's kind of a change-up. And sometimes yeah. it's weird because you'll see an NBA team and they're playing well and all of a sudden, whoa, they face a zone and it's almost like they forget that they've ever seen a zone before as a changeup. But last night the Kings were totally prepared for that. It was totally ineffective, but uh, Utah didn't have a plan B, so fair yeah. enough. And, and I, I felt like that sort of played into who the Kings are. You know, like, uh, you know, Will Hardy, a great young coach. I, I got tremendous respect for him. But it just didn't make sense to zone up this Sacramento Kings team with as many great shooters as they have and their ability to pass the ball as well. It'd be like uh, trying to zone up Golden State. And you just wouldn't do that because they move the ball too well and they'll pick you apart. And kudos to the Kings last night. 29 assists Mm -hmm. last night. Uh, To me, the magic number is 
30. If you're right around that 30 uh, assist mark, you're doing something right. 102 attempts last night, too. Yeah. Yeah. They got it up. They got it up in 15 offensive rebounds, uh, got to the line 20 times. I I think overall, offensively, you couldn't ask for much more. Sure, you want guys to make shots, but, you know, in in terms of the way they execute it, that was high level yesterday. I know a lot of the pundits, we've been talking about what people have been writing and saying about the Kings, and they point at Sabonis, Fox, say, oh, they, you know, they may need to bring in somebody, a bigger star. But I think that notion uh, really to cling to that is to misunderstand what this team is. As you said, this is a deep team and this is a very democratic team. And yeah, Fox and Sabonis are the best players, but they're going to be nights like there was last night with Harrison Barnes, probably more with Keegan Murray. They're not so reliant on just those two players. Yeah, it's an equal opportunity offense. Fox took 18 shots, HB 16, Sabonis 14, Keegan 13, Malik 12. I mean, everybody got a chance, you know, to get the ball up and and shoot shots. And, you know, I thought they did a good job, you know, working it around, uh, taking, uh, passing up good shots for great shots. Like, it was a team effort. I never at once felt like somebody was trying to go one-on-one or do too much. And so, you know, from from Mike Brown's standpoint, you got to be encouraged because, the preseason, like I said, I was a little worried. You know, it wasn't smooth. You know, it was kind of junky a little bit. I, Sasha looked like he was out of place. I'm not sure went you short. shared that with us, but we <laughs> you know, but you know, now as I look back, I can say that. And so everybody just looked like they knew exactly what their job was, their mission was. Kyle, that's so important with this team. It's cliche, and we all say it about teams when they win in any sport that oh, it was a team effort. But that's the way this team wins. If this team doesn't get that sort of democratic shared effort, this team doesn't win. So it's great right. to see him come out and embrace that so vigorously so early in the season. Yeah, exactly. And, and especially when you have some some new guys too, yeah. right? That you know that that are part of your team and I'll talk about the new guys coming up in just a little bit, but uh give Mike Brown credit, you know, he he mentioned it uh, I think it was pregame how he, you know, everybody signed this pack Mm-hmm. That, you know what, you're going to be all in. And one thing he said is, you know, he goes to everyone and tells them exactly their role. And you can either accept your role, uh, you can decline your role, or you can embrace your role. And what he wants guys to do is not accept their role because when you don't get it, the ball or, you know, you don't things don't go your way, then you're pouting. You got to embrace your role. And that's what we saw last night. 339 Hit us up on the chat with your thoughts on the opening night success for the Kings. We're coming right back with Drapes Takes. Yeah. Next, Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports. Calm down, line. Calm down. Take it easy, man. Just take it easy. <laughs> Your flagship station for the beam team, Sacktown Sports. Drive guys, we'll get to your questions in just a moment here, but right now it's time for Kyle Draper, fresh off his call last night, Salt Lake City, and Drapes takes. The highlight of my day, Whitey. I've been waiting ever since last night to deliver these takes, and I'm going to start off with my guy, DeMontis Sabonis. Remember, I said he's a ho-hum 19-12-7 kind of guy. What did he get last night? 22 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, but more importantly, two block shots. I said it during the broadcast last night. Some people think DeMontis Sabonis can't play defense. I thought his defense was excellent last night. He was a rim protector out there last night. So to Kevin O'Connors of the world, the uh, all the athletic riders, the John bleacher Reef, John Hollinger, all you guys, 
Shut up. DeMontis Sabonis is that dude. I thought he was phenomenal last night, Whitey. 22 points on 14, 14 shots. 14 shots. He got to the line. He made his free throws, knocked down a three-point attempt. What more do you haters out there want from DeMontis Sabonis? His defense, I think, was impressive. And he was doing it against Walker Kessler, one of the top defensive bigs in the entire game. He put into work, took him to school. See what a healthy Sabonis can do. Oh, wait. <laughs> the Kings, uh, they were lucky with injuries last year. That's right. <laughs> so that's my first take. My second take last night. Can we get Malik Monk in the dunk contest? Can we get Malik Monk his own poster or his own animation or something? That dunk he had over Chris Dunn, I still feel it in my soul. I still feel it in my heart. Malik's a free agent after this season. Mm -hmm. If I'm Monty McNair, he's a priority. I'm bringing Malik Monk back because Malik Monk embodies everything I want in a Sacramento Kings player. Malik's dunk? Malik, ooh. That's new. I like it. But he's a great person. He competes hard. He does it with a smile. And he does it with a scowl. He's not a punk out there. If I'm Sacramento, I want more guys like Malik Monk on my team. You know what he says all the time? He says, if we win, everybody wins. And he believes that. Yes. And he sets the tone for the Kings culture. He is one of the leaders on this Sacramento Kings team. And, oh, yeah, he had that dunk. But he also had seven assists, Whitey. He's that secondary playmaker. Outside of De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, he's the guy that can run the backup point, that can make plays. And so Malik Monk, he is my guy. Resign him, Monty McNair. I'm about to text you, big fella. Resign Malik Monk. That has to happen. And my third take. Drape six. And this is my final take. And hopefully, Whitey, you're on board with this one. The Sacramento Kings will have the best bench in the entire NBA. What? Yes. In my opinion, what the Kings bench did last night was amazing. You're laughing. Hopefully, I'm serious, dude. No, I thought, I'm just, I'm, it's incredible. I thought Sasha Vizankov looked great in that offense, you know? We are talking about how's he going to fit in? Is it going to take him time to adjust? He played close to 16 minutes last night. He was a plus nine, didn't have any turnovers, two of five from three-point range. That's 40%. Three of six overall. I thought Sasha was tremendous. And Chris Duarte. People don't understand how good Chris Duarte is. People think of last year in Indiana. I watched some tape on this guy back to his Juco days in Florida. This guy can ball. He has a little swagger into his game. And his confidence is something that we need off the bench. I think this Kings team has the potential to have the best bench in the NBA. Let me back you up with some numbers. JaVale McGee... Vizankov and Duarte combined last night. Those three players combined 10 of 15 from the floor, five for nine on three-pointers, 25 points. 25 points. And think about it. JaVale McGee played 13 and change. Sasha, 15 and change. And when you look at it, they were all pluses last night. Malik Monk, a plus 12. JaVale McGee, a plus 13. Sasha, a plus nine as well. And so I think this Kings bench, they are deeper than any team since I've been here. And I I think what you saw, you know, a lot of times when you talk about the bench, you know, the reason guys are bench players is because they're not consistent. 
I don't think what we saw last night is anything out of the ordinary for this bench. Like, I think Chris Duarte could come in and give you nine points a game. I think Sasha could come in and do better. He only had eight. I think he could be much better. And so I think what we saw from this bench, they were just scratching the surface. I think this can be a, cu- a huge strength for this Sacramento Best team. Best bench in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, because I- I'm looking at, you know, some of the contenders out there. And, you know, let's say Boston. Their bench isn't deep. Uh, Denver, they got a nice bench, but they lost some pieces out there. Lakers, they got a good bench. Warriors, a little thin. If Kaminga and Moody play well, they could be in the mix. But I think what you're seeing from this Kings bench, you got veterans. Malik Monk's been around. Uh, JaVale McGee's been around. Sasha's 28 years old. Chris Duarte's in his third year, but he plays like a savvy veteran. And so uh, he's fearless out there. And so I think this Kings bench can be really good, White. Nice. You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I remember when the Weber, Vlade, Kings, when they were really coming into their own, they had a very effective bench. People gave them a nickname, and they were the bench mob, and people had a lot of fun with that. So I don't think we're there yet, but I'm wondering if we get to a point here where this bench – uh, develops an identity to the point where we develop a nickname for it. Yeah, that would I, I, be up to broadcasters. Oh, <laughs> and it got to be organic too. It yeah, can't right, just right, right, be, right. Uh, you know, uh, let me look something up. And no, you, you know, during the game, I might say something. And let's not forget, they didn't even have Trey Lyles. I know they didn't have Trey Lyles last night. And so this team, Mike Brown went ten deep last night. He can go eleven deep. Pretty easy. We didn't see our guy Colby Jones until super late, obviously. He's another guy you can throw. But I, I think this is probably the deepest Kings team since I've been here, maybe in a while. I made a prediction on SackdownSports.com that speaks to that. I want to see what you think of this. I think the Kings have a chance this year to break the NBA record for most players in one game scoring in double figures. Mm. The record is 10. I think Ooh, they have a that's, a I know, that's a lot. I know. And it hasn't been done since like 1994. Yeah. But this is a team I could see. You know, they have a night where you have like 11 guys that are scoring at least at least 10 points. I think it could happen. Right. Team. And, but, you know, and, and I've said this on the show before, Kings fans, the mark of a good team is that you have multiple guys that can go out there and get you 15 to 20 any given night. The Kings have eight or nine of those guys. And so you're right. There could be, you know, JaVale McGee can get you 10 points. We saw it last night. JaVale McGee had eight. I mean, he, he could easily get you 10. Sasha, we know, can get you in double figures. Malik can get you in double figures. Duarte, you throw in Trey Lyles, and then the starting yeah. five, that's 10 right there. Right, Very right. easy. Yeah. And because of the style of offense they run, exactly. it's conducive to that. Yeah. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. They needed that last night because there's a handful of guys, especially the guards, they didn't shoot well. And I'm not yeah. trying to be negative. Negative, but it was great <laughs> to have some of the bench guys pick up the slack because there was a handful of guys that you usually rely on offensively that didn't shoot the ball real well last yeah, night. It, it wasn't a problem. Exactly. And and one thing about last night, the Kings scored 72 points in that first half, and De'Aaron Fox was 2 of 9, 6 points. Think about that. Mm-hmm. You score 72, and your best player only has 6 points. Of course, HB went off, but the bench contributed as well. Keegan Murray had nine. Domas had nine. And so it's a total team effort, man. And and there will be nights like that. And, you know, I I love the fact that we've reached a point where we don't need De'Aaron to go out there and get you 35 and 40 a night to win a game. You know, De'Aaron can have 18 and you can still get a win. Yeah. Questions here on the chat. San Jose Jazz fan three asks, since you brought up Golden State predictions, Whitey, Kyle, anybody? For uh, tomorrow? Friday night, yeah. 
No Draymond Green tomorrow night. I got Kings by six. I think it's going to be electric in there. I think, you know, if I'm a Kings player, this one's personal tomorrow. Steph Curry's doing a night-night on you in a preseason game. Draymond stomping on your chest out there. Like, we owe the Warriors one. And I think you'll see a a very fired-up, excited, impassioned Kings team tomorrow. I got Kings. Yeah, I think the Kings will get them, too. And I think one of the big battles will be a battle for... You wouldn't normally think of it between these two teams. But with Chris Paul now, the Warriors, they don't necessarily play at the same pace. Yeah. You know, and the Kings are going to want to push that pace. And I think that battle for tempo is going to be one of the keys to the game. And I think at home, uh, the Kings, especially the way they played offensively last night, I think they're going to dictate tempo, and I think they're going to have their way with the Warriors. And, and, and I think, you know, the Warriors are at a point where Steph Curry needs to be great for them to, you know, like Steph can't have an 18-point game and the Warriors win, in my opinion, especially going against the Kings. And so, to me, Steph Curry is is the X factor, is that that cheat code that, now, if he goes off for 40 or something, which he's very capable of, then it could be a, a long night for Sacramento. But if you corral Steph, hold him to 20, 25, I don't have much faith in those other guys, I don't know, that Warriors team. Clay is not happy right now. He's got a contract thing going on, and he's yeah. kind of playing out of position a little bit. Not playing well, but you know he quite often has a little something, something for the Kings. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, a real something, something for the Kings. So we'll see how that goes. And then I know you pointed out it was really interesting their uh, first game against Phoenix, the finishing lineup. Yeah, Minga was in and Wiggins was out. Right, right, and, and so Wiggins they're still sorting some things yeah, out. Yeah, they're still sorting some things out, and I don't know if they're trying to empower Kaminga or was Wiggins at that bad. I, I think Wiggins, uh, you know, if they're going to talk about being a championship team, Wiggins has to be uh, their second best player. If he, be, you know, becomes just another guy, there's no way. And so it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, I know for sure, leading up to the game, because uh, we'll be live at the arena tomorrow. I'm looking forward to Sabonis Looney. My guy Sabonis has to win that matchup yeah. tomorrow. We just got to hold Looney to maybe 14 or 15 right, offensive right. rebounds. <laughs> offensive <laughs> rebounds, right? Yeah. Dude, he looked like Moses Malone and Wilt out there last playoff series. Uh, by the way, homecoming night for Sacramento State football. It's this Saturday versus Idaho State. Kickoff 6 p.m. Come early, enjoy the festivities, and whatever you do, get your tickets at hornetsports.com. When we come right back, where the Kings will need to be better tomorrow night to mm. drive guys. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Sacktown Sports. Sacktown Sports. Headlines. Good afternoon, Sacramento. My name is Kyle Ledbetter, and these are your Sacktown Sports headlines. The Sacramento Kings are 1-0 after winning opening night against the Utah Jazz 130-114. The Kings set a franchise opening night record with 13 first-half three-pointers and eight different Sacramento Kings hit a three-pointer in the game. Renan Nunez has his four takeaways from the game up right now at SacktownSports.com. You guys should definitely read it. It's a very, very good story. In football, Brock Purdy's unlikely to play Sunday for the 49ers while he goes through the concussion protocol. However, Emil Fergoso says that Purdy was out at practice today taking first-team reps with the 49ers. We'll see if he ends up playing Sunday against the Bengals at 1.25 p.m. And Thursday Night Football is right here on Sacktown Sports. We've got Baker Mayfield's Buccaneers against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills with our coverage beginning at 4.30 p.m. Those are your headlines. Let's return to more of The Drive Guys. 
Sacramento's official home for the San Francisco 49ers. Sacktown Sports. I don't know about you. I am so immersed in the NBA season now and in the Kings, the new season. Yep. Shinya asked me this morning, hey, who's on uh, football tonight? Who's playing Thursday Night Football? I don't know. Kyle just mentioned again, yeah, we got quite a shootout. Yes. Bills and the Bucks. But I really, when she asked me, he's like, I said, uh, oh, the the Lakers are playing the Suns tonight. She goes, no, no, no. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. I, I, I don't know. I, I totally forgot. And I asked you, I'm like, uh, who's playing tonight? And driving and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to set my fantasy lineup. Like, you ah. know, football just isn't on my mind today, especially after that Kings win last night. Yeah, what a win it was. What do you think, Kyle? Uh, trying not to get too carried away with opening night. <laughs> what do you think the Kings are going to have to make sure they do better against the uh, Warriors tomorrow night? They got to tighten up the defense. I, I, I You know, uh, it was better last night, but you'll recall this watching this game. How many backdoor cuts did Jordan Clarkson get and get easy layups on it? They went to that play like three or four times in a row and got a bucket every single time. And so I don't think it was for for lack of effort. Sometimes, Whitey, when you try really hard, uh, you know, sometimes you can, you know, uh, you lose your fundamentals a little bit. Like you, you want it so badly. And so I thought Kevin Herter wanted it so badly. He wanted to play great defense, but sometimes he might have been over aggressive and got mm-hmm. beat back door mm-hmm. because he was trying to overplay the pass. And so uh, I, I think, you know, this Warriors team is severely, severely uh, much better at passing than what we saw from the Utah Jazz. Superior. They are a superior passing team. And so I think you'll get backdoored to death if you overplay them. And so I want to see them shore up the defense tomorrow. I think uh, one of the keys to the game will be who's able to play the best defense of the two teams without fouling. The Kings had 25 fouls. I think that was the most any team has committed. And I know we just started, but in the first games of the season, I think that's the most any team has committed. Obviously, it's difficult with Mike Brown demanding more physical defense. Hard to play more physical defense without fouling. But that's been an issue for the Warriors as well. So, again, I think that looms as one of the keys to uh, tomorrow's game. You remember what happened... um, what was it? The, wasn't it the last time the Kings were down there in the preseason and the Warriors just it was a parade to the yeah, free throw line? Yeah. Remember, yeah. Kaminga had like 17 yeah. in that one game. <laughs> Why are you pissing? You're like, yeah, that can't happen tomorrow. Right. Why is he getting all those free? No, but you're right. And, and you know, the Warriors, you know, one thing about them is they'll let you back in the game. They turn, they're a high turnover team. And so I think tomorrow your defense has to be on point. You got to be on a string. You got to be aggressive, but not too aggressive where you get back door, uh, get beat back door and obviously commit fouls. You just touched on one of the things that to me is most impressive about the Kings last night. They score 130 points. Mm. They turned the ball over total team turnovers, only 12. That's, I mean, that's not yeah. out of this world, but that's really solid. That's really solid, especially when you play at that pace, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you, you're moving the ball around. Guys are flying around. You want to be up tempo and to uh, turn it over 12 times. I thought that was huge, you know, but I do want to go back to something they got to improve on. I said the defense, but also the offensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. Like, they let Utah get 16 offensive rebounds last night. You said it earlier. JaVale McGee, you hold him to 14 offensive rebounds. But jokingly obvious, but 
you can't Looney, give yeah, yeah, yeah Looney. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looney. You can't give Warriors uh, second chance opportunities. We saw it in Game Seven. Steph will make you pay, especially some of those long rebounds or, or those quick hitters that Steph gets. Looney will get a rebound, toss it to Steph, and then bang a three. And so I think if 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 I'm Mike Brown at practice today, defense and also better rebounding, limiting second chance opportunities, and the Kings. Quite simply, they will need better shooter shooting from yeah. their backcourt tomorrow night. You can check the numbers. It wouldn't be polite to go over them here because they're not pleasant. But Herder, <laughs> Fox, Mitchell, and Malik, no, none of those guys shot the ball well at all. Think about that, though. And they still yeah, know, hit 19 threes, 37%, without arguably their best three-point shooter shooting well right. uh, last night. That's, you know, that that's impressive. But you're right. I, I could tell you the numbers right here. I'm going I'm to rattle them down. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> Kevin Herter, one for five from three. De'Aaron Fox, one of seven from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Monk, two of nine from three. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary to think and this team scored. my guy Davion, 0 for 2. 0 for 2. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's scary to think they dropped 130 and those guys were combined, you know, whatever it is, uh, four of like 18 or whatever they shot. Like, yeah. you know, and so I agree. They got to be better. Uh, I, I think De'Aaron Fox, seven threes a game is a lot. Like, yeah. do you like him taking that many threes? I know he's feeling it a little bit, you know, He's got to make it. Yeah, you got to yeah. make, right. Yeah, Just make them. a terrible number unless they're not going in. But I don't know. Is some of the... Uh, some of the edge taken off this rivalry now that De'Aaron Fox and Steph are like <laughs> business buddies, huh? I think so. It, like, I was thinking <laughs> that when I saw the promo and all that. Did you see, like, they were hugging in one picture and everything? And I'm like, De'Aaron, I know you're trying to secure the bag. I know you want to get paid. I know Steph's an all-time great. But nah, you just can't do that, not right? right now, not, not when you right play now. Tomorrow. Not right yeah. now. Wait until wait another <laughs> month or so to release that. We have that, Kyle. It's uh, De'Aaron Fox and Steph Curry uh, announcing that De'Aaron Fox is now an endorser for uh, Curry's Under Armour brand, courtesy of NBA Today. It is rare that two star players from opposing teams are sitting next to one another, but this is for a special occasion. What's going on? I'm the very first Curry brand athlete, and I'm extremely excited about the opportunity uh, that he's given me, and um, I want to take this, obviously, individual, I want to continue to grow, but also I want to help his brand as well. So um, there's a mutual respect and a mutual agreement that we have, and uh, we want to be able to grow this together. Now, this is definitely a special occasion. You know, I've been rocking you know, Curry brand Under Armour for, for since 2013, and Curry brand's been in existence since 2020. But to be able to partner with somebody like D Fox while we're still competing, while we're still battling. And so for me, like to be sitting next to him to understand uh, what this opportunity really means and allow him to, you know, take it and run with it is uh, a dream come true for me because there's no better guy than him. Throughout the playoffs, this happened a lot. Like we would show our, um, our team would show the shoes and they're like, oh, he's wearing steps, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I'm gonna bust his ass in his shoes. Like, that's, 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 that's how I'm thinking about it. Like, they're like, oh, you see someone with your shoes on, you like, I got them. I'm like, well, what if you see someone with your shoes on and they're coming at you? So it's like, it, it's it's kind of a mind game on both sides, I feel like. And I'm like, I'm trying to play it on this side. Yeah, all right, that's good. Dream come true. Uh, two reasons I don't, not to make too much of it, but two reasons I don't like it. One is that, you know, yeah, 
As fans, we like to think that especially when they're your rivals that you're not going to be too buddy-buddy. But I get it. The other thing is, remember when Michael Jordan came back after he left the Bulls and he was going to go to the Wizards, yeah. so he came back? George Carl said, hey, Michael's coming back. It'd be a good time to buy Nike stock. Well, I did. Uh, and I should have bought more, but it's it was a smart move. So yeah. as somebody who has Nike stock, I don't like this at all. Deer <laughs> Fox hitching his wagon to Under Armour. Yeah, it, uh, you know, uh, a new De'Aaron Fox was a sneaker uh, free agent, if sure. you will. But it, it's sort of like, and maybe I'm overstating this Kings-Warriors rivalry, but it's like Magic and Bird. Signing, you know, like you know, Magic signing with Larry Bird's uh, shoe company or something it like. Feel like it just that. right. It's just how can you, you know, want to go out there and 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 really beat a guy? And we'll see how De'Aaron responds tomorrow when you were just hugging up on him in an ad. You were just yeah. appearing side by side. I don't know, man. I, you know, get the bag, De'Aaron. I get it, but I I don't feel good about this one. We'll feel better after he. Has his way with the Warriors right. tomorrow? Oh, yeah. maybe what he's doing is softening up Steph right. Curry, right? right? So Steph Curry will take it easy. Very smart. Yeah, that's what that is. I yeah. get it now, Foxy. Yeah. I get it. You know, the reality <laughs> is that we just have to accept that for a lot of these guys, their allegiances to their shoe brands are almost as strong as their, in some cases, as their allegiances to their teams. I yeah. It's just the business. That, that's true. And, you know... Some of these guys are actually friends off the court, too. Sure. You know, believe it or not. I don't not. like that either. Right. I don't like it either. You know, like, I, I, want, I, I, I hate the yellow color blue now. I hate the color yellow. I hate uh, Golden State. I hate Chase Center. Like, I won't bank there anymore. Like, everything about anything associated with the Warriors, I'm done with. Yeah. And you expect the same from the players, right? right? You would yeah. think. You would All think. All right. When we come back, we'll tell you which king is already leading the NBA in a major statistical category. Ooh. To drive guys on Sackdown Sports. Your flagship station for the Beam Team, Sacktown Sports. Kyle Draper had the call last night. You're going to have the call for the home opener tomorrow night. Yeah, I get to see my people. Golden One Center packed out 17, 18,000 strong. I know we're going to be fired up. And uh, me and Katie on the call tomorrow on the That's TV awesome. side. I'm looking That's forward tremendous. to it. That's going to be. Uh, very unique atmosphere. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be more electric than the playoffs last right. year, but in a way it's going to be uh, another layer added on to all that. Yeah, and, and the great thing about this time, obviously Kings fans show out, but in previous years you'd see a, a healthy dose of Warrior fans. I think this is one of those things where Kings fans, they're not selling their tickets, they're not giving them away or anything. Everybody wants to be in the building for this game tomorrow night. So I'm, I'm looking for a you know, 90% Kings crowd out there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's a big game, isn't it? These are all big games. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, that's cliche, but they are, given the state of the West right now and given the state of this rivalry. Right, exactly. And, and especially with the Warriors, a, a team you're going to be battling with, uh-huh. not only in a division, but for playoff seating as well. And so, sure, what happened in the preseason happened, but now you get a chance to win a meaningful game against them and uh, hopefully, you know, go up on the tiebreaker with them. Same with the Lakers also. I mean, you know, you got four games right out the gate, three of them are against division teams three of them are against teams you're going to be battling for that top four spot in the western conference so you pick up these early wins you got yourself ahead of those teams already and now they got to play catch up with you right from the jump by the way i know we talked about the fact that durant playing against the warriors in san francisco in front of warrior fans tuesday that was his first time playing in front of warrior fans since he left there in 2019 
And tonight, LeBron and KD will face each other. They'll be on the floor together for the first time since Christmas Day of 2018. Wow, it, think about that, right? What? That went, what, five years? <laughs> yeah. That they haven't played each other? I don't know what. Guys have been injured, load management, what have you. Um, I, I know Phoenix it was is without Booker and uh, Brad Beal tonight. Yes. But, you know, to see LeBron and KD go at it, you know, you know, those two guys for the longest time were the top two players in the league before the Giannis's came on, before Jokic came on. And so I'm going to still be watching tonight. Oh, me too. Yeah, we're still going to be watching tonight. KD has switched teams twice since he last played against really? uh, LeBron. Yeah. Who was he? he was, was that with the Warriors? Because was 2018. Wow, 2018. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So he never faced him when he was with Brooklyn. No. Wow. That's interesting. And so, and you know, when I watched this game, and I know we got a lot of young talent in this league. Which game? The Bills and the Bucks? Or no, the- oh, they're playing tonight? <laughs> when I watch Lakers-Suns, I'm going to be thinking, man, I'm watching two of the all-time greats go at it. I don't know how many more times we're going to see right. LeBron and KD uh, against each other. I mean, the league's going to miss those two guys when they hang it Definitely up. Definitely will. Definitely will. Uh, when Bird and Magic used to play, I didn't like Larry Bird, but, man, I sure miss him yeah, now. Yeah. I sure miss yep. watching him play. Same, same. Uh, which Sacramento King is leading the NBA right now in a major statistical category? I think this is a major statistical category. Uh, we have JaVale McGee, 4 for 4, so he leads the NBA. Okay. He's tied with a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Best field goal percentage so far. <laughs> Who leads the league in field goal percentage? JaVale McGee. McGee. That's and who. No, you know what, though? He'll probably, if he has enough attempts, you would think <laughs> he'll he'd be up, there, be up huh? there, right? right? I mean, I don't want him shooting threes or, you know, but he we've seen him stretch out a little bit, but he should be a 70% kind of shooter, you know? Yep. Lobs and dunks. Mm-hmm. Domas will be up in that mix as well, yeah, too. Yeah, and JaVale so. McGee with the sky hook. I mean, that was... If you never saw Kareem's sky hook, that was about as close as I've seen to yeah. it since he stopped shooting. Yeah, and, and what makes that so unstoppable, especially when you have a player that size, just how high they get it up, the length. Like, it, it was statuesque. He looked like the Statue of Liberty when he took that. It's indefensible, probably the most indefensible shot mm-hmm. in basketball history, the sky hook. Why like, don't guys shoot it more? Or women, for that matter. It's not sexy. It's, uh, so, uh, uh, you can't you can't do a step back sky hook. You know what I mean? You can't break <laughs> ankles with the sky hook. And so, uh, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, who I work with uh, in the past, he used to always say the same thing. I don't get why guys don't shoot that anymore because he was a, a running hook kind of guy uh, back in the late fifties and sixties. And guys just don't do it. I will tell you this because you and I, you, you know, we both grew up Magic Johnson fans, Laker fans. When Magic hit that running hook. Over the Celtics uh, in '87 Finals, yeah. mm-hmm. I went outside and practiced that hook and did it on the playground. The yeah, the hook. baby sky hook. Guys don't do that anymore, though. You know, like are people out practicing Javale McGee sky hook right now? They're Probably not. on the uh, PlayStation. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, they are. That's yeah. So, <laughs> it's yeah. different, but I ran outside and, and practiced that baby uh, running hook. Did yeah. you master it? I did. I did, and I, you know, in pickup games, I would hit. And I'd say magic, you know, while shooting. <laughs> I was that dude, man. I was that dude. <laughs> yeah, hopefully JaVale McGee can uh, can keep it going. But as we said earlier, as you pointed out, 
I mean, some of the guys coming off the Kings bench last night had a combined great night with McGee, Vazenkov, and Duarte. As I mentioned earlier, they combined to go 10 of 15. Yeah. Uh, that makes an impact off the bench, especially when, as we said, your starting backcourt wasn't shooting real well last night. Yeah, but you know what? That, that's the mark of a good team, right? Where, you know, if you're a bench guy, you come in, how do you make your mark? The starters aren't playing well in terms of shooting the ball well. I thought Chris Duarte, he only played 14 minutes and 44 seconds. But I thought what he gave this team, just the way he played. Yes. I mean, I saw that too. You, you saw that? He played yeah. with a little swagger, like uh-huh. a, a confidence. You know, he's a quiet guy. Obviously, he doesn't talk a lot. But when he gets out on the floor, he plays with a confidence. And I'm I'm watching him like, this dude right here, he has to be a part of the rotation. And so his three of five last night, nine points. He's just scratching the surface of, of how he can impact this team. He could be legitimately a, a six-man kind of ye- year yeah. kind of guy. Mm-hmm. We got Malik and Duarte. I think we're set, you know, off the bench in the backcourt. There was a point in the third quarter at which I think the Jazz cut it to nine, and it was like, oh, here they come. Yeah. And the Kings had it back up to 18 like that. Yes. It was just like, oh, here yes. come the Jazz. Oh, nope. There they went. Yes. And, and I think it was that when – was that when Harrison Barnes and marketing got tied? Something happened, and I, I turned to oh, Katie. That, uh, yeah, that double, that, foul. That double yeah. and I said, "This could be a turning point in this it game." Did get very chippy. And it got chippy, and then the Kings took off. You're right about that. They cut it to what seven or something, like you said, and then De'Aaron Fox, uh, you know, yeah. getting the technical. Like it was double digits again. Yeah, just it was just like an that, eye. and and that's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to piss off De'Aaron Fox because he'll take over. And so, no, man, it, it it was great to see. You know, Utah. You know, Jordan Clarkson got it going, and so I was like, uh oh, that's one guy you don't want to get hot because he can score in a bunch. But the Kings had an answer every single time. I think the uh, Jazz only led for like. 15, 20 seconds all game. Like, they took the lead. I think it was uh, 18, 17. And then after that, the Kings led the rest of the way. I remember last year. I don't remember which game. I think it might have been a win over the Nets. It was a game where Mike Brown kind of laughed and said, yeah, we were we were gritty tonight. And he <laughs> made a point of saying, huh, can you imagine this team, you know, gritty? <laughs> He's kind of calling them out. Yeah. But last night, I think it appeared to me anyway that – Message received. I think there's going to be a lot of games where this team gets a little chippy. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I need to see that. You know, obviously, you don't want to cross the line or anything, but you have to walk into, a, especially an opponent's building, with a little chip on your shoulder, right, Whitey? They have to play that Yeah, way. you got to play with that little bit of edge. And we're not talking, you know, going crazy or anything like that. But, you know, the narrative in the past had been, you know, Sacramento, you know, you, you knock them down, they're not going to get up, you know. This team keeps getting up, getting up. We saw it last year, and so I like what I'm seeing. It's only one game, but I like barking a little bit. I like getting in somebody's face. It'll see. We'll see what happens tomorrow, you know, but I sh- if I'm the Kings, I'm walking in there smelling blood, blood uh, in my eyes. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go, ready to battle. I think this team needs to send a message to the rest of the league. You know, who cares what the reporters say, the media says, but the Kings aren't a great defensive team, so you could see if you're playing them, you'd think, you know what, we get behind, we're good, we're going to get back into right. it. The Kings need to change that perception of them. It's like it's not an e- when you play us, it's right. not an easy game. 
And a lot of the things Mike Brown's teaching defensively and preaching defensively, that goes a long way towards changing that, and it's not easy. But I think last night that was a real encouraging sign. We saw that the Kings are bringing an edge to this season that was lacking too often last year. Yeah, and, and you know, when I talk about Malik Monk being a leader, he's one of those guys. I want to see it more from De'Aaron Fox as well, but you're right. When you play the Sacramento Kings, it should not be an easy night for you. Yeah. When we come back, tell you why, according to Mike Brown, good is the enemy of great for the 23-24 Kings as we continue to bask in the afterglow of their season opening win. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys on Sacktown Sports.